Well, it is November 3rd, 2020. Today is election day in the United States. Or maybe at this moment, maybe I should just call it the states because in a lot of ways we are very divided. We are divided on issues of economics and taxation. We're divided on issues of masks or no masks. We're divided on coronavirus and how to handle it. We're divided on judges, how they should interpret the constitution and the laws of our country. We're divided on issues of pro-abortion or pro-life. We're divided on issues of free speech. And I could go on and on talking about the many ways that we are divided as a nation. But one of the things we are mostly united on is that racism is wrong. The challenge that I see is that the term racism has been in a process of progressive redefinition for the last decade or more. And this is really a problem because definitions are important. You cannot really deal with problems if you cannot agree on definitions. For nearly half of 2020, one of the major talking points here in our society has been around the topics of discrimination, racial division, racism, what is termed white fragility or white guilt, and all kinds of other things dealing with this. And in the midst of all of the chaos, I, I did read this last summer, the book White Fragility and several other bestsellers on this topic. And doing so was somewhat disturbing. It was disturbing not because my eyes were open to how systemically racist our society is, but because my eyes were open to see the insane way that these things are being discussed and addressed by a number of people in our culture. Exhibit A of what I'm talking about is this chart from one of the books that I looked at over the summer. It is the chart of oppression. In the 21st century Western world, we have these major problems of oppression. Racism, classism, sexism, heterosexism, transgender oppression, religious oppression, ableism, anti-Semitism, nationalism, ageism, and adultism. These things apparently reign in our society. So if you are white, a U.S. citizen, middle-class, heterosexual, cisgendered, able-bodied, non-Jewish, Christian, middle-aged, adult, and male, you're pretty much the worst person in America. Unfortunately, I am that person. And to make it even worse, I'm a Christian pastor, so I am absolutely the worst person in America. Now, I know for a fact that there are racists in our nation. I understand that we are not a perfectly just society. I accept that oppression is in some respects a reality, and I recognize that there still is racism. But I've been fortunate enough in my life to travel quite a bit, and I've traveled in Africa, the Middle East, Asia, Central America, quite a bit in Europe. I lived in England when I was a child. I lived in Germany in my 20s. To cry foul at the extreme racism in the U.S. is to reveal the fact that you've probably never really traveled much outside of the U.S. Now, in no way am I making excuses for issues of racism in our country, but comparatively speaking, the U.S. has probably done more than any other country in dealing with discrimination and racism. Now, you can object to that and say, well, Europe has done better. Maybe, maybe not. I've lived and traveled throughout Europe. Europe has been 
rather ethnically homogeneous for much of its history. So comparing it to the immigrant rich and ethnically diverse United States is like comparing apples to oranges. Both of them are fruits, but they're not at all the same. But even if you object that Europe has dealt with ethnic divisions better than the U.S., and I don't think it has, you have to admit that the U.S., especially in the last hundred years, has done much to address the issues. And, and why is that? Why is it that Europe and North America have addressed these things more proactively than others, especially in the last five centuries? Well, I don't think that you have to look very far for an answer to that question. North America and Europe are cultures heavily influenced by Judeo-Christian values. And I would suggest to you that the return to tribalism that we are flirting with right now has more to do with secularization than, than not. And why has the West dealt so proactively with these things, especially over the last 500 years? Well, to answer that, you should probably become a little bit more acquainted with the history of the West over the last five centuries. And what you will see is that the dominant feature of the West in the last five centuries is the Christian Reformation. And at the heart of the Reformation is the Bible. Between five and 600 years ago, the Bible and the teachings of Scripture began to be translated, distributed, and consumed by the common people. And what was the result? What happened? Reformation, enlightenment, and the emancipation of oppressed people. These are the facts. They're, they're facts that are often buried in the footnotes of the Enlightenment and the Western revolutions of the 18th century, but the scriptures have brought liberty to enslaved and oppressed people as people began to understand and apply the truth of the word of God. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And what is the truth that sets men and women free? Well, it's the truth of the scriptures, like what the Apostle James writes when he says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. What is partiality? It's tribalism, segregation, racism. The Bible is anti-racist, far more so than the bestsellers of the New York Times. And I think that's something to really think about on this Election Day 2020. Barring any tribalistic revolution, I'll see you next time. Enjoy your coffee.